is Tito Santana, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. everybody to another wrestling podcast i'm jonathan benjamin and i'm steve credo and we have an amazing show for you today well uh dare i say the best show ever jonathan what makes today's show so amazing i'm glad you asked and right on cue i might add today we have none other than road warrior animal and northeast wrestling's own bull dread Amazing. Uh, but before we get going tonight, guys, we need your help. We need you to do four things for us. Uh, I know it sounds like a lot, but it's really five things. Let's just say five things you need to do for us. Uh, number one, you need to like us on social media. So whether it's following us on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, liking us on Instagram, we're everywhere out there. We have got social media We've, we've taken it hostage, and uh, we need you to go out there and like us every way, shape, and form that you can. That's right, guys. And leave comments on the shows. Comment on Facebook. Comment on uh, the show as we post them on Podbean. Uh, comment anywhere you guys can find a place to comment. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you love, what you hate, what we didn't ask, what we should have asked, what what you loved that we did ask uh, anything so just leave us some uh, comments so we know what you uh, what you what you're thinking out there well and then the next thing we need you to do is share us with your friends don't be stingy don't hog us all to yourself get out there and talk wrestling with your friends say hey listen i was listening to the greatest wrestling podcast the other day another wrestling podcast and you guys should definitely listen to it because you know, no one wants to be that person that's left out of the conversation whenever they're talking about, oh, oh, did you hear the guys on another wrestling podcast the other day had Road Warrior Animal, and it was an amazing interview, and then you have to act like you watched it or listened to it, and it's just really awkward. So just, just <laughs> listen to it and share it with your friends. That's right, guys. And most importantly, the next step is to subscribe. We're on iTunes. Search for us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. Search for us on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. Uh, find us on TuneIn. We're on Player FM. We're, we're streaming live on Geek Life Radio on Fridays. We're on Podbean. You can find us at anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. All the links are at the top right of the page. Click on them. 
subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And lastly, but not leastly, uh, I just made that up. Leastly. We have, leastly, um, trending worldwide. We have a brand new hotline. Uh, before you get your hopes up, it's not a 1-900 number. It is not, you're not going to learn anything new from Mean Gene Okerlund. What this hotline does is it's a direct link from you to us. So you call us at 802 AWP 7672. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's 802 297 7672. And what you can do is just talk to us. Tell us what you liked about the show. There's not going to be one thing you didn't like about the show, so I don't even have to say, you know, tell us what you don't like. Get on there and tell us maybe something that you want us to talk about, a guest that you want us to have on. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're listening, that's what we want to know about. And we we started to talk about this, and whoever has some great points, great topics, great comments, whatever, we're going to actually incorporate that into the show. So this is your chance to get on another wrestling podcast. That's right, Jonathan. And right now we actually have a caller uh, from this week, so let's play it. What's up, fellas? It's uh, your favorite heel turn himself, Mr. Mike Cologne. Just checking in to tell you guys you're doing a good job listening to another wrestling podcast to and from work. Actually, was at Standstill Traffic on I-95 coming home from Queens today. And I got to share another wrestling podcast with the lady in the car next to me. Although she did not seem to be much of a wrestling fan, I am. So, like I said, good job, keep up the good work, and I can't wait for more future episodes to come. So, Jonathan, uh, we will be live this weekend, Friday night, Northeast Wrestling in Danbury, Connecticut. You know, wow. That That is correct, Steve. Come on out to the Danbury PAL Center and say hey to us. We are we're big celebrities. Let's not beat around the bush about this, but we always have time to talk to anybody. So come on out and 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 to see us. We're gonna be there with none other than Mickey James, Road Warrior Animal, Matt Taven, all the Northeast Wrestling stars. Come on out and and say hello. Well, uh, before we make it to Danbury, Jonathan, we have a show to finish. Uh, that's right. Uh, what are we gonna be talking about today, Giants? Um, greatest pay-per-views ever Vinny Vegas no 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 no. today we're talking about animals finally god I've been asking since we started this thing let's talk about animals so <laughs> let's get into this man all right Jonathan well here, here's what we're talking about you know gimmicks are a huge part of, of the history of pro wrestling some of the greatest gimmicks have had something to do with animals uh, today we will talk about the greatest and maybe a few of the worst all right, I like where we're going with this, and uh, I'm gonna get us rolling here. I'm gonna this this is uh, just wait till you see what I'm gonna do with this. I want to talk about Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, he was one of my favorites as a child. Uh, I had so much, I guess, respect uh, for Jake the Snake Roberts growing up. But I'm gonna this is like. A candy bar that's got something inside of it because Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake, that's that's an animal. His father was a wrestler. His name was Grizzly Smith. So there's there's two animals right there for the price of one. 
But then Jake the Snake came out with a snake. So if you're still with this and your mind's not blown, I mean, this is like Animal House in one person here. So (laughs) I love Jake the Snake Roberts. I had, I think I was probably three or four. I had second row seats to a wrestling show, a house show in Evansville, Indiana. All day long, I was telling my parents, listen, Jake the Snake Roberts, the greatest thing ever. I need the shirt. I need the snake. I need the action figure. Everything you can give me, we got to have it. So, comes to the the main event, Jake the Snake Roberts versus the macho man, Randy Savage. Um, Jake the Snake gets his snake out. Hey, 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 this is a PG show. Well, well, okay. Well, he gets his his reptile out, and um, somehow it escapes the the ringside area and starts to make its way into the crowd now i i was a young a youngin as they say and i had somehow fallen asleep and could not be raised by anything so this was my moment to shine my my parents were trying to you know wake me up couldn't happen that is my my jake the snake robert story he was one of my favorites uh, glad he's a WWE Hall of Famer. Glad to see that his life has started to turn around. Um, what are your thoughts on Jake the Snake? Yeah, well, I think Jake was a great wrestler. Uh, underrated, I think. You know, he really never got the the biggest spotlight out of a lot of other guys should have gotten, uh, or a lot of other guys have gotten that he didn't get. But I think you know it could have been anybody. It could have been you know. Any wrestler, but I think the snake was the biggest attraction for him. I mean, he wasn't a high flyer wrestler. Uh, he, he was great on the mic, I'll give him that. But I think, you know, the snake made him. You know what I mean? Like, when Jake the Snake came out, he was carrying that bag. Yeah, we all knew what was in the bag. And pretty much, that's what we were there to see. Uh, no offense to Jake Roberts. I mean, granted, we all became fans of him, and we all wanted to see him. But 90% of us were just waiting for him to pull out the snake. And that's, you know, that was his gimmick. You know what I mean? To where... He could have been the worst wrestler in the world. He could have been the worst talker in the world. But, man, he had, uh, well, they weren't 24-inch pythons or a 24-inch python. But you know what I mean. He had the, the, the snake. He had the python. Damien, the original, uh, you know, and that's what we always wanted to see. And that was, you know, the greatest part of his matches is, you know, when it was coming down to the end, he pulled out the snake. And, yes, really, it was really a snake. Um, so that was probably, you know, the biggest highlight for him is just, having that snake because if he wasn't he would just be jake roberts and he could have been having a dancing gimmick and we wouldn't want that well i almost wonder what would have happened if he didn't have a snake if it was like (laughs) jake the hamster roberts (laughs) yes uh jake the porcupine roberts and he came out with like quills and he would like roll over on people and yeah i don't know it's it's amazing to think but uh Jake Roberts, definitely uh, one of the, when you think animals and you think professional wrestling, he's got to be on the top of most people's list. Now, uh, moving right along, Jonathan, I mean, uh, another animal to add to our animal kingdom tonight uh, would have to go to the British Bulldogs. Now, as a youngin, like you said, and now I'll say, uh, growing up, I mean, I didn't know that much about wrestling like I do now. Uh, So going back to then, I didn't really know the British Bulldogs. But what I did know is that they had a bulldog with them, and that's you know what I wanted to see, um, Matilda. Matilda. Uh, you know, granted, I didn't know Davy Boy Smith 100. percent uh, I didn't know the other guy and the, uh, the, the Dynamite Kid. <laughs> yes, well, I was getting to it, but you know, my point is, being a kid, is that I didn't know these guys, but I knew they had a dog, 
and I wanted to see the dog, pretty much. So when they came out with the bulldog, and I was even heartbroken when the bull, oh, when, when Tilda was kidnapped, you know. My, my memories as a kid, I, I'm trying to throw myself back in my kid's shoes um, to where I know the British Bulldogs now. I know the Dynamite Kid. I know Davy Boy Smith. But back then, I didn't know anything about them. Like I said, I just knew they had a bulldog, and that's pretty much all I wanted to see during the match, almost like Jake the Roberts. As a kid, you know, back then they had a lot of live mascots, uh, and that's I, I don't really have a lot of memories except for just, hey, I want to see the damn dog. Yeah, I think that that was part of the reasoning that we loved the, the 80s so much is because it was basically like a cartoon. When you think about it, I mean, there were snakes, there were birds, there were dogs, there were, you know, it was, there was music, there was bright colors. That's, that's what we got as, uh, as the children of the eighties. And I think that that time period is just, just amazing. And I, I almost wonder now that WWE is going PG again, if that's not what their, their thoughts are with a lot of these characters, you've got, you know, the Los Matadores, you've got New Day with brightly colored things. You know, we don't have as many gimmick-based people, but you do have a lot of bright colors. You have a lot of flashy maneuvers and stuff. So uh, I, I think that the 80s saw a time where they're like, listen, here's a guy. They they had almost like a, a Wheel of Fortune wheel or, or something. They spun it, and they're like, okay, <laughs> your name is Terry Taylor, okay? Um pick a color uh and i'll pick an animal and then this is what's gonna be your gimmick for a little bit but uh i think it's great i love the british bulldogs they were a pretty tough tag team i think that they had a lot going for them and uh they're they're highly underrated as far as i'm concerned and i do hope that they're in the the hall of fame someday alongside with uh with matilda but steve next we're gonna talk about a gentleman uh a gentle, gentle mantar, if you will. Um, he's been on the show with us. This right away, I just have to say, swing and a miss. Yeah, That's what I <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I get it. All right, it's it's a tough day. I, I, it's like the people. I don't know if you've ever listened to Mitch Hedberg, and he's like, I want to be that guy who names kitchen appliances because all you have to do is be like what does this thing do uh, it makes toast okay it's a toaster uh what's this thing do it keeps things fresh it's a fresher i'm going on break so they're like let's see here we've got all this stuff going on we've got a plumber we've got a a garbage man we've the got, dumpster yeah we've we've got man mountain rock um we need a man that is part man part bull <laughs> And, and then Vince stands up and says, get this guy a corner office. He just created Mantar. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a definite swing and a miss, as you said. And I, I think that it's if for nothing else, it's given us all hours and hours of uh, wrestling ridicule for this man. But um, he was just doing his job. But at the end of the day, as far as animal gimmicks go, I think this is probably on the bottom of, of my list. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things too. It's like, if you go back to that place in time, you really got to put yourself in that time because back then it may have been okay. It probably wasn't the greatest thing, but you know, when you look at it 20 years later, you're like, what is this? You know what I mean? So like, but when you look at it 20 years ago in that time and place, it was like, okay, this is different. Maybe we can go with this, but yeah, it was one of those that just really didn't go anywhere. Um, so yeah. Yeah. 
But Jonathan, uh, right now, though, I want to throw it to Road Warrior Animal, who's in the studio with us now. He is part of one of the greatest tag teams in the history of pro wrestling. He is the Road Warrior Animal. Today is an absolute honor to be speaking with one half of the greatest tag team of all time. Uh, name a place, he's been there. Name a wrestler, he's beaten him. Name a title, he's won it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm AWP welcome to Road Warrior Animal. Hey man, what's up buddy? Not a lot. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, how have you been lately? Good, good, man. Just uh, you know, I have I have another business in uh, in West Africa, so I have a little time off right now. So uh, I've been doing appearances for about the last three months, and it's been great to get out there and see the fans, man. There are a lot of uh, fans of the Road Warrior Nation or the LOD Nation, you know. So it's uh, it's always good, man, to see everybody that's supported us over the years. Well, first things first, you'll be making several appearances this week. On Friday, you'll be working with Northeast Wrestling in Danbury, Connecticut. Do you enjoy getting to come back to these independent shows and seeing some of today's young talent and maybe giving out some advice? Oh, yeah, man. Anytime I go there and a, and a young wrestler wants me to watch the match or look at it and give advice, I certainly will give it. Uh, it's fun for me to go to the independent territories because that's where I started. And... uh you actually, to be quite honest with you, you get treated better in the independent territory than you do goals working for the big company. <laughs> you know, so I hope it actually gets back to, uh, you know, getting back to that era of, you know, there being a thousand companies in the U.S. to go work for. Yeah. Um, now, you're also making a big appearance alongside Mickey James at our friends over at uh, Collector's Realm. Now, are you excited to get to meet all of your fans from the Northeast? Well, yeah, I mean, some of the greatest wrestling fans in the world are from the Northeast area, you know. They've been educated over the years, you know, with, with great wrestlers and great talents, and, you know, they expect nothing but the best. Well, there's no doubt that you'll be signing some LOD merchandise during your appearance, but what is your favorite LOD or Road Warrior merchandise that's ever been released? I really, to be honest with you, I, I don't collect a lot of it myself. If, if, if I see something that uh, I've not seen before, like a different action figure or I'm putting a different set, I'll grab it, you know, for a souvenir. But that, that usually doesn't last long because my grandson opened a package and take it and throw it in the bathtub. So, <laughs> you know, but, uh, there's a lot of great things. I mean, you know, it's hard because Hawk and I, you know, have achieved everything you can achieve in the wrestling business as far as tag teams. So, I mean, there's not really... Anything I can collect. I mean, I still have a couple pair of spank shoulder pads. I got the gold ones, and I got the ones that say Chicago on the front. So, you know, fans in the Northeast and the Denver area, great because, uh, you know, I'm bringing those pads with me, and they can put them on and take pictures with them and, uh, you know, get a chance to put the pads on themselves, which uh, they never get to do. That's awesome. Now, uh, WrestleMania just happened. Did you uh, make it out to WrestleMania this year? You know, I did, but I did not wrestle. 
Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? I did not not only wrestle. I mean, I did not go on behalf of WWE. Okay. Okay. I, I went out there for another promotion and did uh, WrestleCon, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't actually go anywhere near WrestleMania. Uh, I went over to the WrestleMania Hotel one day. I met my brother John for lunch, and that was about it. Okay. Now, uh, I'm sure you saw this year's class of uh, Hall of Famers that went in, um, the Bushwhackers and Macho Man Randy Savage, Kevin Nash. Uh, is there anybody that uh, sticks out in your mind that isn't in the Hall of Fame yet that you think should be there? Well, yeah, British Bulldogs. Okay, should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, Demolition should be in there uh, eventually. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of other other guys that should be in there. I mean, Nikita Koloff should be in there, even though he wasn't a WWE guy. Mm-hmm. But then again, neither was neither was Sting. You know, so um, it's uh, it's kind of a you know. It's kind of a weird thing. You know, the show plays all over the damn area, and I hope people are listening to Connecticut because, you know, it's kind of a strange thing. Um, I always had a good working relationship with the WWE, but for some odd reason, uh, I never get asked to do their fan fest or anything when it comes to WrestleMania, which is kind of strange, you know, being one of the most popular tag teams ever in the history of wrestling. Absolutely, and that's why we hope that people will tweet this out and say, hey, listen, we want we want Animal because it's a, it's a rare for me to be on the East Coast, and I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, so uh, it's it's it was rare enough for me that it, I took notice about it. So, um, but speaking of WWE and the Fan Fest and all that stuff, uh, the network has been a big thing that happened in the past year or so. Um, do you currently subscribe to the network? No, no, no I don't subscribe. I subscribe to that network. I really don't even go on my app that's online very much. Uh, I've seen the last few polls when it comes to tag team wrestling, and of course, Hawk and I have been ranked number one, so that doesn't surprise me. I mean, they're just trying to rebuild their tag team entities again, but the problem is, they don't let them get over like the way Hawk and I got over, so you're never going to have that <coughs> tag team, you know what I mean? When the Hawk and I do some plays, they, they just call it the Warrior Pop for a reason, because the place erupted, you know? And, um,. I don't know if you're ever going to see that again. I mean, not that the guys that are there are not trying, because they are. They're trying their butts off. But unfortunately, they have new writers now and everything else, which I think is killing the wrestling business and killing their interviews, because, you know, in our day, the guys said what they felt and were a product of what they were, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's missing in today's wrestling business. Obviously, there was only one and has only ever been one hawk and animal. But do you see anyone in the current WWE landscape that could have been a road warrior? No. I mean, the closest thing in that company now to a road warrior is Ryback. Okay. Um, I think if Ryback had another tough partner, he could be a formidable tag team. But in their business today, in the way the WWE model is, they beat everybody too much. I mean, they killed Dolph Ziggler. They killed Ryback. They they just beat Rusev. So anybody that gets any power, they beat. Mm-hmm. And which is, you don't let anybody build up any steam. And as far as tag teams go, I think the Usos had a great chance because they're two great guys. But I think they really killed them off. And I don't know what's the tag team with Titus. Uh, uh, prime time Titus. players. Yeah, prime time players. Well. I don't know if you watched Raw last night. They were wearing a kind of a mocking of a hawk and eye shoulder pad, you know, which is I thought was kind of stupid on their part. Yeah. Even though they weren't, even though they weren't ripping on Hawk and I, they you know they were trying to make a point to the ascension. And um, 
you know, the thing is, is that, you know, even the Ascension is, is ready to get beat. So what do they mean? They mean nothing. Yep. You know, it, it, it's a shame because with, in intense team wrestling, if you really want to get yourself popular and get yourself over, don't talk about the guys you can't touch. You can't touch Hawk and I, so don't even talk about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, that, that's, that's the honest and truth. I'm not being cocky. There's about five entities in the wrestling business you should not touch. You know, Bruno Sammartino, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Stone Cold, The Rock, and I think Milton Warrior, another one, and then maybe six, you know, Hawk and I. Yep. You know what I mean? So, you know, don't, don't even say anything negative about it because in the eyes of the fans, you, the fans are never, 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 ever going to buy it. Oh, oh, no matter what you do, they're not, they're not going to buy into what they're saying. You know, they're going to say, oh, gosh, you talked about the road wars. Yeah, good luck. And, you know, they, they, they blow it off, you know. So why even waste their breath? Unless they're going to do it in a positive way and say, hey, man, we got a goal. We want to be as good as the road warriors. And that's a different story. Yeah. Now, that's the way Hawk and I used to do it. You know, we wrestled Dusty Rose and Dick Murdoch or the Funks or the Briscoes when we were first starting or Stan Hansen and Brody or Stan Hansen and uh, Harley Race. We say, we're not as good as you yet, but we're going to get to be the best tag team ever. And, you know, and we worked hard at it, you know? Absolutely. Um, speaking of that, like, I, I think that you guys were ahead of your time. You kind of mixed everything together to not only be a feared tag team, but also a highly entertaining team. Was it your idea to incorporate, like, the, the face paint and the, the shoulder pads? Well, the shoulder pads were my idea. Uh, the face paint actually came from Ole Anderson. And Bill Watts. They were, they were, Ole was running uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling at the time, and Bill Watts was running Mid-South down in Louisiana, and they got together, and they were doing business back and forth, and <clears throat> business was at all-time low. The wrestling business was the lowest it's ever been, and they were looking to really put a stamp and change the business a little bit, and you're right. Hawk and I were... If, if Hawk were alive today and we were young, we would fit right into with today's wrestling. Oh, yeah. And... uh and, and we would dominate the scene like we did then. I mean, we were, we were two physical specimens that were way ahead of our time. I mean, there's only one or two guys that can touch us physically that you know, in the company today. Did you ever think you would have been painting your face after all these years? Bro, it's been over 25 years and I'm still painting my face. And you, But hey, that's a testament to the fans. I mean, evidently what we did, they liked. And now you can watch all our AWA matches, NWA WCW, WWF, WWE matches on, you know, the network. Uh, it keeps Hawk and I relevant. Oh yeah. Um, now, like you just said, all the total package. Um, your your entrance theme in WWE. Oh, what a rush! Uh, it's regarded as one of the greatest themes of all time. Um, what was your initial thoughts on coming to the ring to that music? Because I know that you had others and AWA and WCW and stuff, but the one in WWF really kind of took hold. And um, did you enjoy that theme? Well, yeah. I mean, we first came out, we were the first ones to use music probably as tag teams. We came out to Black Sabbath, Iron Man, and everybody knew that. And uh, But then they wanted copyright costs. They wanted $10,000 every time we paid it, and we said, we are not doing that. <laughs> no. So so then so that I went in the studio, uh, down at Paisley Studios, where Prince has a studio in Minneapolis, and I went down there and I changed the licks and everything else in the beat to make it legal for us to use it, and we use it that way. Then during the interviews, you know, Hawk used to do at the end of our interview, when we kick your butt, it's going to be, oh, what a rush. And, you know, they liked that so much. 
you know, we they said, hey, why don't you put that on the front end of your new music here when we came back to WWF at the time. And um, we did it, and, and then the fans loved it. And every time, even when I did the match lately against uh, Cleve Hader, uh, Heath Slater, uh, at the Raw 1000 uh, show, I mean, when they played the music, I hadn't been on TV for six years, and the people went crazy. You know, so it's just one of those theme songs that everybody liked and everybody appreciated because they knew at the end of the day they were going to get what they paid to come see, you know? Yeah, and we, like we said, so we got the face paint, we got the, the themes, and you've got your finishing move, which is the Doomsday Device, one of the most devastating moves ever created. Um, how, how did that come about? Um, did you guys have that initially, or was it something that came after you guys had been working for a while? No, actually, we were wrestling, and then, um, you know, we were with Paul Ellering over in Japan, and we said, you know, we need to come over to do a wrestling move, and Ellering said, well, these Japanese boys are tough. If you're going to try something new, try it on the Japanese boys. So we tried it on, over in Japan and saw the British Bulldogs do a version of it, just falling back straight back with the electric chair, and I said, well, what if he had one twist to it? What if he just flipped the guy where he does a belly flop I see how that goes, and then it got over as one of the most impressive moves ever in wrestling. So, I mean, it was pretty good, and, you know, my hat's off, and I cannot thank the guys who have taken it over the years, you know, from the small SWAT team, you know, uh, Junior Fatu and Samu and, and you know, guys like uh, the Four Horsemen and, you know, Tully Banks and Art Anderson and, and Ivan Koloff and guys like that that took that thing day after day after day at Midnight Express. You know, that made that move into what it is, you know. So it's, uh, you know, I'll and totally be indebted to those guys for making that move as popular as it is. Many, including us, consider LOD the greatest tag team of all time. Who do you consider number two? Jeez, mm, that's a tough one, man. Um, probably in the ring, like ring generalship, probably the four horsemen mm-hmm. on Anderson Tully Blanchard. Um, after that, you got to go Midnight Express, and after that, you got to go way back to, you know, the Funks and Briscoes and guys like that, you know. Okay, awesome, awesome. Now, um, a few years back, you wrote a book entitled The Road oh, Warrior. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me add that in there, too. Yeah. I got a Heart Foundation and the Bulldogs are in there, too. So okay, great. Now, uh, a few years back, you wrote a book entitled The Road Warriors, Danger, Death, and the Rush of Pro Wrestling. It was uh, pretty successful, a great book. Um, do you have any plans to write any more? And was it nice to be able to get all that like out on on paper? Well, the, I mean, the book was only probably about a tenth of what I could probably say about the wrestling business. So, I mean, I have plenty more to write. And I've actually been in discussions with uh, Medallion Media Group to do another book. And uh, I would love to do another book, you know. Yeah. Uh, although, although the book I would do, I don't know if a lot of the wrestling companies would really appreciate it because I would definitely tell the truth in the book. Uh, just, uh, just the way how the guys are, the guys are really overlooking this wrestling business sometimes, man. Uh, this is a business that you bust your hump for the fans and to give the fans entertainment. And there is no pension plan. There is no life for you as a wrestler after you're done with WWE and all that stuff. And, and it really needs to change in our wrestling business. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the operations, I've had 13, 14 surgeries, and everything else that I've dedicated to my life to this wrestling business. For me, a, not being an employee with the WWE right now and working behind the scenes or, or getting some type of pension for the rest of my life after that company has made 
hundreds of billions of dollars mm-hmm. is, is ludicrous and it's just not right, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Luthez Press, uh, Gorilla Position, the Road Warrior Pop, what does it feel like to have something as giant as a standing ovation named after something that you created? That's crazy, man. From a young kid that was a bouncer in a bar and a city kid to having something in one of the most prominent professions in all of sports entertainment, you know, wrestling, and to have one of your your name associated with a, a cheer in the wrestling business is just crazy. It's beyond my wildest dreams. Now, you are not the only famous person in your family. Your son James plays for the St. Louis Rams. Prior to his successful career in the NFL, did he ever ask to get into pro wrestling? And did you try to sway him one way or the other? Uh, no, not really. I mean, he talked about it, but, uh, you know, he was a three-time first-team All-American in Ohio State and then got drafted by the Rams. And uh, he dabbled with playing in the wrestling ring a little bit. I mean, he's an absolute natural and could do it very easily. But I just told him, man, I said, hey, stay with the sport you love. Because football was one of my first loves, and that was one of the common interests, you know, James and I had had. And uh, I said, stick with your first love, man. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. And uh, if you want to wrestle when you're all retired, then you go ahead and do it for fun. Lightning round. Best city for wrestling fans. Uh, New York. Favorite NFL team? Well, I gotta say the Rams, that's where my son plays. What are your thoughts on the movie The Road Warrior? It's where it all began for Hawk and I. A lot of our stuff we got, our ideas came off of that movie. Which wrestling trend is better, fanny packs or Zubas? Oh, Zubas, man. How you kidding? That's right. Um, what are your hobbies outside of wrestling? Well, uh, you know, I got, I got five grandkids now, so that's one of my hobbies. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, a, a mining company that I'm associated with over in West Africa and Liberia, and I'm over there a lot. So, you know, I'm over there doing business half a year. So uh, that keeps up a lot of my time. But uh, other than that, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm a family guy. I love my family, and uh, I try to see my, my kids and my grandkids as much as I can. There have been a lot of different warriors in wrestling. There were the the Warlord, the Ultimate Warrior, the Dingo Warrior, the Road Warriors. I know you're a little biased, but who do you think the best warriors in wrestling have been? Well, I don't think it's even a question for me to answer. I mean, the fans <laughs> will answer you that a <laughs> hundred out of a hundred times, man. You know, often imitated, never duplicated the Road Warriors, of course. Is there a place that fans can keep up with you these days? Do you have Twitter? Do you have any of that stuff? Yeah, man, I got a Twitter. I'm a RW Animals, my Twitter. And, uh, you know, they can private message me on Facebook and all that stuff if they want to. Uh, I take booking dates on my private message on Facebook, you know, my Joe Laurinaitis Facebook page and stuff like that. And, of course, you know, fans don't get upset with me because I can't friend a lot of you guys. I have two Facebook pages. The total more maxed out at, you know, about 5,000 people each. So, but, um, you can private message me and I'll answer you for it, you know, if you want to say hello or you want to, uh, to book me anywhere. I do personal appearances. I do speaking engagements, whether it's in a wrestling place or, you know, youth football or high school football or, you know, even at a church. And then I do them. So, uh, you know, I try to keep myself busy. Bob's new make a wish and any of that stuff. So. Oh, that's great. Um, 
Thank you very much. We're looking forward to seeing you this Friday. We're going to see you at Northeast Wrestling. We're going to get to see you at Collector's Realm. And like you said, he's bringing the pads, ladies and gentlemen. This is a, this is a rare opportunity. Um, we just want to thank you for taking the time to, to speak with us and uh, have a great day. Yeah, man. Hey, I look forward to seeing all the fans out there in the Northeast, out there around the Connecticut area. And come on out to the show, man. Get a picture, take a pic, get an autograph, put on the pads. Because you know, at the end of the day, what it's going to be, it's going to be, oh, what Jonathan, moving right along uh, onto these more more of these animal gimmicks, uh, we had one guy who didn't necessarily have this with him, but it was his name, and that was Raven. Cool, uh, cool. Now, Raven didn't come out with ravens, or they, you know, they didn't have ravens fly out when he came out, but he had the name. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it was he had his flock. He eventually turned into the flock. He had a little stable. Um, but what do you think? I mean, do you think Raven needed? Needed a raven to get this gimmick over more? Or do you think Raven was good as his as as he was? I think that in this sense, Raven was kind of more uh, an entendre for like quote the Raven. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't so much about an animal as it was Edgar Allan Poe, like he was a brooding kind of uh, damaged youth or whatever. But um, I thought that that was an awesome name. I thought that he had an awesome finishing mover called the the Raven Effect, and and so for me, I think that as far as just an animal name goes, it could have been far worse. I mean, for God's sakes, he was Johnny Polo. So um, I think that Raven kind of lucked out on this one, and then you know after that, he kind of made it him his his own character, and really. You know, I I don't think that he ever would have needed an uh, an animal accompany. Sure. So it was more like in the sense, you know, he didn't need it, but you know, he 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 encapsulated the whole Edgar Allan Raven gimmick, if you yeah. will. So it, I liked it. He had a great character, I think. You know, from ECW uh, to even his little stints here and there in WWE. But uh, you know, maybe would he have gotten over more with a raven? We'll never know. But uh, I think he was still over with or without a, uh, a bird on his on his shoulder, unlike uh, Coco Beware. Um, but Jonathan, I want to remind all the fans listening though right now that you know the greatest thing about our show, guys, is that we are a topical show. So if you want to go back and listen to episode five or ten or fifteen, keep on going to twenty or twenty-five. Uh, every show you listen to, Jonathan is different because we talk about different topics and we're not talking about shows you that, that you just watched on TV. So like a lot of the other podcasts, uh, they talk about what happened on raw, what happened on, you know, SmackDown or Lucha underground and impact wrestling. That's, that's fine. And dandy. We love talking about wrestling cause that's why we're here, but we try to make this the show that never dies. You know, you can go back and listen to any of these shows and it's going to be about a, a, a topic for any, anything or any time to listen to. Right. Absolutely. Now, speaking of topics, we're going to get back on our topic, and uh, I'm going to talk to you about a gentleman that used to scare the bejesus out of me. Um, this gentleman's tongue was blue or green uh, most of his career. I'm talking about none other than George the Animal Steel. Uh, he did not have a, a live animal with him, per se, but he did have a stuffed animal named Mine that he carried around with him. I think that George the Animal Steel, when I think of professional wrestlers and theatrics and entertainment value, I think that this guy 
has to be on almost everybody's top 10 list. He is uh, an amazing character, uh, has done a lot for the business, and I love George Animal Steel. And his animal was more the fact that he was just very animal <laughs> animalistic, if you will. He yeah. uh, he was biting into turnbuckles and stuff like that. So uh, I, I kudos to George the Animal Steel. Yeah, I never really got his character when I was a young one. Uh, I mean, I, I saw him. He kind of looked like he was mentally challenged, but, you know, I, I get what he was doing. He was like the Neanderthal almost animal kind of guy. Uh, biting the turnbuckles, classic. I think I even have a turnbuckle that he ripped apart at an old Northeast Wrestling show years ago. Um, and I remember even Matt Taven almost killed George the Animal Steel at a Northeast <laughs> Wrestling show. Uh, but, I mean, he's a great guy to talk to. We'll have to get him on the show. But what a character. I mean, you know, just having that nickname, The Animal, and it's not like... Like we, we just talked to with Road Warrior Animal, this was a whole different kind of an animal uh, uh, in his character. And once again, like you said, you know, he didn't have per se animal from the Muppets walk him down or anything. Like he didn't have this gimmick with him. Uh, the gimmick was him, just like Raven. You know, Raven didn't carry carry a Raven with him, just like Georgie Animal Steel doesn't carry an animal with him. You know, so uh, granted, you know, you didn't need these, uh, you know snakes with him or or whatnot but you know it, having this character the animal uh i think was suited him and then uh like you said he was probably one of the most entertaining characters back in his time i i really want the the fans of the show to do this i want you to go out and think about this and then tweet it to us or call us and say this think of instead of jake the snake like we said jake the whatever if if you want to say Jake the Hamster Roberts, that's fine. But then also think of another name for George the Animal Steel. So like George the Mild-Mannered Salesman Steel. Whatever you want to do, come up with something good and let us know. I want you guys to really go out on a limb for this and, and let us know. Like uh, George the Taxman, George, whatever you want to say, let us know. And uh, like I said, we'll read the best ones on the air. And uh, we really appreciate you guys listening to us. So this is just a way for you guys to get involved. But Steve, we've we've talked Mantar, we've talked Raven, we've talked George the Animal Steel. What else is there as far as animals go? Uh, well, another old school one we could talk about in the eighties. Uh, uh, like we said, you know, a lot of people had animals with them, but then also guys also incorporated uh, animals within their character. Uh, one guy who I was kind of a fan of when I was a kid, um, even though when you look back at it today, it was kind of weird and silly maybe, but that was Terry Taylor's uh, The Red Rooster. Uh, Yum. <laughs> you know, you got you got Seamus looking like The Red Rooster, but now, you know, Terry Taylor, you know, he had the spiked mohawk. It was red. He even walked around the ring clucking a little bit. Um, uh, what, what did you think about The Red Rooster? I mean... It, I don't know. He never brought out a red rooster in my in my memory, but I mean, you know, that was his gimmick. He was the red rooster. Uh, was it silly? Was it stupid? Was it just the right place, right time back then? Or I don't know. Did you just ask me if the red rooster <laughs> was silly? Because uh, hey, you never know. You might be a big red rooster secret fan that I don't know if you have like these red rooster posters hanging up or something. Well, I mean, I have a tattoo, but that's a that's a different story for a different show. But yeah, absolutely, it was silly. But once again, I'm growing up in the 80s when I thought this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. There's a grown man like, <laughs> hey, Jonathan, uh, my third grade teacher, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, this guy is making a boatload of cash <laughs> on national television. 
dressed like a giant rooster. Of course, that's what I want to do. He was a, t- a Terry Taylor, a little-known Terry Taylor fact for those of you listening. He was slated to be the Mr. Perfect character. They were going to call him Terrific Terry. So think about wow. how the landscape of wrestling would have changed if maybe Kurt Henning got the Red Rooster gimmick and <laughs> and Terry Taylor got Terrific Terry. I don't know, but I, I think that the Red Rooster was another one of those that he, he gave it his all. I'll give him that much. I don't think that he you know broke any boundaries in sports entertainment history, but he definitely tried tried that, and uh, he, he did the best he could with it. Definitely. I mean, we think about a lot of gimmicks today. Uh, it's, just a, it's just amazing how you think about all these old gimmicks and how they incorporated animals within their characters. So it, it, it's fun to think about. Um, but, Jonathan, uh, we're going to be getting to Bull Dread soon. Uh, is there anybody you could think about who else was maybe a little bull or something? Oh yeah, this this little bull is uh, currently happening in the in the WWE. And um, let's talk El Torino. I know you are pretty um, outspoken about this this trio of uh, misfit toys. But um, what what are your thoughts on El Torino? Do they need this bull? Is the bull more over than? Los Matadores. What do we got going on with this? This is this is a perfect case of wrong place, wrong time. I mean, if this happened in you know the Red Rooster, George Animal Steel days, perfect. Uh, there was even a midget division back then. Um, you know what I mean? To where now it's just like it, it belongs on Saturday morning cartoons. It just stands out like it doesn't fit, and like you can't write this. You can't write him in with anybody. He can't have a match against anybody. All he can do is help interfere for them, and it's just like, it doesn't make sense anymore to me. Um, it's silly. They hired him, and now he's just a little bull mascot, and I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't fit for me. It, like I said, maybe 15 years ago, okay, but now it's just like, wrong place, wrong time. Jeez, uh, Steve, why don't you tell us how you really feel about the poor little guy? Well, he should be, you know, out the door. <laughs> working in uh micro wrestling championship whatever it's called and uh it doesn't it's just like why do we still pay in hornswoggle and i know we're not talking about it but you know what i mean we're talking well, about I'm, i mean i'm i'm not paying hornswoggle i don't know if you're sending checks but <laughs> you're getting me started and i'm getting off on a tangent but you know what i mean that's that's how i feel it's just well, a little bull that goes a long way well, from a little bull to a big bull, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Northeast Wrestling's own Bull Dread. Joining us tonight is one half of the Northeast Wrestling Tag Team Champions. We have on the show tonight Bull Dread. Bull, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you guys. It's an honor. Believe me, it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. The Mark Father and JT. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, Bull, tell us. I mean, uh, Friday, uh, April 10th, in Danbury, Connecticut, uh, the Dreaded Dead take on the Battle Brothers. What's going to happen this Friday night in Danbury, Connecticut? Well, what can I say? Um, I, I, I got to give it to the Battle Brothers. They are one tough tag team. I mean, you know, they're real brothers in real life, and, uh, you know, they're just, we've fought them. We've been through many battles with them. You know, Zombie and I, we've wrestled them multiple times, and they're, I would say they, you know, they deserve to be champions. They're one of the top tag teams in Northeast and throughout New England. And um, But, you know, the end result this Friday is what's always been. Zombie and I will remain 
NEW Tag Team Champions. And, um, you know, just like the great, the greatest wrestler of all time said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. So if you want to be, you want to be the team, you got to beat the best team. And that's all I got to say. All right, now uh, you and Ron are the reigning Northeast Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Do you feel more pressure now than ever to put on great matches? And you guys kind of have that target on your back. So um, is it difficult now, or was it, has things really changed at all for you guys? I wouldn't say. Um, well, no matter what, like, you know, you're, you're the, you, put, you get the goal. You got the titles on your waist. I mean, it's... Right away, you're a target because everybody's aiming for you. Um, but even even if you don't have, uh, you know, you're not a champion or you're a top guy in the company, you still have a target on your back, even without a title. And um, for me, um, it you know, I'm not speaking for zombie, but I would say really nothing has changed. We just um, we just do our thing, and you know, and we're hardcore for life. And, and that's why, you know, we've been we've been partners. We're great friends. We're bitter enemies, but as a team, we're more successful. So it's teamwork, and uh, it's it's just great to be able to share the experience with one of my mentors in the business. So, um, I mean, I, I, you could say both. I mean, yeah, it's a little pressure, but like, yeah, you go out there and we do our thing. We just do what we were, you know, bred the business and order for. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll well, speak to live up to the hype. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of tag teams, uh, Road Warrior Animal, he'll be live in Danbury as well, and uh, the Harlem Heat will be in Newburgh yeah. next week. Uh, how does it feel to work with some of the greatest tag teams of all time, um, you know, working with Northeast Wrestling backstage and all this stuff? Uh, how does it make you feel, you know, being tag team champions for Northeast Wrestling? Well, like I said, like I said it was an honor like to, to become, you know, the, the first tag team champion in the 20-year history of Northeast Wrestling is an accomplishment in itself. And uh, even winning the tag team of the year, and from what I heard, we we beat out, you know, even just to be an honor, it was an honor just to be in the same category as like the Hardy Boys and, and the Young Bucks. And we won by a landslide from like 150 votes. And uh, it's, it's just a great feeling because it's like, you know, I, I get this all the time. Where it's like, how, did, you know, how does it feel you're in the locker room with these guys, you're on a show with these guys? I'm like, yes, first, when I first started working, working with Northeast Wrestling, my first match was I tagged up with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And uh, I think one of the guys said, don't, mark, don't be marking out. And I'm like, oh, no, I'll be fine, you know. But that show day, and, you know, I was all nervous and, you know, going to the bathroom every few minutes. But, um, you know, you could say I've kind of gotten used to it now because it's like, wow, you see all these guys, you can see these guys on TV all the time as a child. Now you're in a locker room with them. I feel like I've known them all my whole life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's like, it, it's, it, how can I say, it's different when you're a fan because some people are just so starstruck. But I have to put that at check. You know, I got to draw the line when I'm in the locker room. Yes, I'm still a fan, but you uh, you're also a worker, and you're you know you're in the you're in the family, you're in the brotherhood. So um, you know, it's it's an awesome feeling. It's mm. it's like a dream come true for me. Sure. I mean, I don't 
I don't need to be in WWE for my dream to come true because it has. Mm-hmm. Now you've been in the wrestling business for a while now, and uh, you probably get a lot of people coming up to you and asking you about professional wrestling and how to become a professional wrestler and all of those things. You broke in a a while back, let's say. So what are some of the things that you would tell people out there that are listening right now? Like uh, if I wanted to be a pro wrestler, what's the first thing that you would tell me? First thing I would say is find a reputable school and uh, obviously do your research and see who the trainer is and see if they have any, you know, check out their background and, what they have to offer, you know, everybody check out their, their track record because there's just a lot of jabronis out there that, uh, you know, will decide to open up a wrestling school and just because they've been in the business a few years and, and the same thing with people, the same guys that like run, you know, run independent shows, you know, they go from, uh, they go from, I didn't realize that there's a, you go to a wrestling school that you skip training, you go right away to being a promoter. But, uh, you know, you got to love the business. you got to do it for the right reason. Yeah, everybody wants to become a superstar, and they love the business. It's not about the fame, the, the money, and the glory, and the women, or anything like that. It's about learning learning the craft, and you got to love it. You know, yeah, mm. we're all fans. We're all marks. Yeah. You know, I'm still a mark. We, <laughs> I wouldn't be in the business if I wasn't, you know? Yep. Um, you got to, it just, any, you approach it any, with anything you do in life and any other career. You gotta love it. You gotta love. You gotta have the ambition. You gotta have the, the, the passion for it. Because if you don't, it's like you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You gotta love what you do in order for it to, to love you back. Definitely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll take us back then, because I mean, we talked a little bit about schools and getting started and whatnot. How did you, uh, as a younger bull dread, how did, what, how did you break into the business? Um, where did you train? And uh, you'll tell us a little bit about your backstory too. Um. My I met Justin Credible when I was uh, in 1994. I was 18. I was in high school, and met him through a mutual friend. And uh, we took a run. It was me and him and my friend Gino. We went to Monday Night Raw at the Manhattan Center. And uh, if you guys recall, if you know that uh, recall that history, go on the network or whatever. That was the night that the Steiner brothers lost to the Quebecers for the tag team titles. And uh, I was front row for that. Um, you know, so I met Credible then, and I used to talk to him about, like, hey, you know, we were in, you know, wherever here and there, we would talk. He even offered me to train me at the time. And, like I said, my parents squashed that, like, right away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with sadness, I, you know, I think it was the summer of 2000, fall of 2000, um, I drove by, I was, you know, driving home from work in, in Waterbury, and and on route, I saw this, you know, I saw the school. And it was Jason Knight's pro, uh, House of Pain, Pro Wrestling Dojo. There was a ring in there. And I recall was seeing Jason Knight sitting down with uh, Billy Cage. Did that ring a bell at all? Yep. All right. So that was like a fall time. And I was like, wow, there's a wrestling school here. So I kind of just kind of like, eh, you know, I didn't have the balls to go in there. And luckily, there was a guy that I worked with who was uh, working out at the gym, and Jason was happening to be working out at the same gym. And he was talking to him, and and I guess they had a show coming up. And so I went with them to go over to the show. And I went up to Jason, and later on, I was like, you know, I'm interested in joining the school. He goes, okay, come down. So I had the guy come with me again, and I didn't have the balls going by myself. 
walked into the school and I was like, Jason, I want to learn how to be a wrestler. And uh, it was like maybe that week, the following week. I'm sorry. It was uh, just the New Year's, January 2001. It was like, it was like I don't know what New Year's style, but it was like that Monday. And in week, three weeks, I had my first match. I mean, it sucked looking back at it, but... Um, Yeah, January 2000 was when I started. Like two years, I actually retired. I uh, chose my priorities at the time. You know, I got married, and my my date, my daughter was about to be born, and I I retired in July of '03, and, and my daughter was born in August. And um, it was 2006. It was just a matter of time where you know you get the itch, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was perfect time. And I ran into a buddy of mine at the store, and his name was Mike Mikey Milano, rest of the God rest his soul. And uh, we started talking. He gave me a spot on the show. And I've been back ever since. So, uh, it, it, what can I say? I mean, uh, even though, like I said, I've retired for, like, walked away for three years, but once it's in your blood, it's always going to be there. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. So, and now look where I am now. Now, now, Bull, you've been doing this for a while, like you said. Do you, did you ever, as you were training... You got into this, and you had maybe a rough night, or you didn't get booked on a show. Did you start to have second thoughts? Did you say, you know, I don't, I don't think that I can do this anymore. I need to look at something else. Or did once you got started, you were just like, this is, this is it. This is what I'm going to be doing. Well, like I said, it goes back to where I started seeing a lot of crap in the business that I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with, and uh, that was, it was part of my decision of walking away the first time. And uh, besides, you know, choosing my priorities, you know, at the time as a husband and, you know, soon to be father. Um, but like I said, you know, the itch was always there. I actually hated the business for, for a while because um, because of what I used to see and it's stuff that happened to me. And so when I, once I came back, you know, it started off hot. Me and my, one of my best friends, uh, you guys know him right now as uh, Joseph Von Schmidt, but at the time he was Pat Gunner. We formed a tag team or the Dreaded Guns. We were successful. We had a nice little run. Um, he, we ended up going separate ways, and he started doing the, the Von Schmidt character, the, the German character. And I was stuck. I'm not going to say I was stuck, but um, I was still Bull Dread. And I was like in, in, I was like in limbo because I was lost. And we went through a lot of political. What kills the business is sometimes, is, and I'm sure you guys have had to deal with this, is the politics. Oh, yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. The friends, the people that stab each other in the back, and this and that, and that's unfortunately what happened to me. And and uh, Schmidt took it better than I did. He was there for me every day, and uh, he helped me through it. And I was on the, I was on a, it actually, um, I had a breakdown. I had a nervous breakdown because of it, because you know you get like good friends of yours that like turn their backs on you, and it messes you up. And mm-hmm. I was on the verge of retirement, pretty much. I was like, I'm welcome. I can't do this no more. And um, here comes Mike, you know, Mike Lombardi. And he pretty much, I guess, you know, gave me my one shot. And that was the night that I tagged with Duggan. And, uh, you know, you always say to yourself that, uh, you know, good things always come to those that wait. Mm-hmm. And I waited and I waited. And just when I was on the verge of just, like, jumping off the bridge and I'm like, this is it. 
You know, I don't mean like going to kill myself. I mean like <laughs> yeah. walking on it. I mean like walking away. Yeah, yeah. Michael Lombardi gave me that chance, and um, and I've been there ever since. January of 2000, no, I'm sorry. Uh, December of 2008 is when wow. I tagged the dug and I've been with the company ever since. Awesome. Now, Bull, uh, yeah. let's talk a little about some recent topics. Um, you know, wrestling today. Uh, do you uh, do you still watch it? Obviously, I mean, um, we're all marks. We all watch wrestling, everything. But I mean, do you like what's I going on today? I, I mean, like especially now with the you know the whole WWE network. I mean, wrestling is pretty much. 24 hours a day, seven days a week now. I mean, you got, you know, Raw on Monday, you got NXT on Wednesday, SmackDown Thursday. Oh, I'm sorry, Lucha Underground 2 on Wednesday. Then you got Impact on Friday. And it's like, do you think there's just too much wrestling these days? Or I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, well, you got to think about it. Like, when I was, see, um, how much, how old are you guys? I'm 33. Okay, John, how old are you? I'm 31. I'm going to be 40 this year, so I mean, I was, you know, seven years, eight years apart. But, uh, you know, like if, during, if you can remember when I was 10, 11, you know, uh, we had world class, AWA, NWA, uh, then you had WWF. And, and I remember even on the local channel, there used to be some independent company. I used to wake up on Saturday morning like 6 o'clock to watch it. You know, and, uh, but, you know, wrestling then is nowhere to what it is now. And, and obviously, you know, people uh, would say the internet is what ruined business today. Um, it helps the wrestling business, but at the same time, it's ruined it. You know, um, you know, social media and stuff like that. I don't, like, I'll watch Raw. Does it interest me? Not, not a bit. I mean, I'll watch, like, the promos and, I like, I like some of the stuff they do. I'm not against the workers because I can't work like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, but you know, obviously you got a lot of the independence that's going on, but then you got good independent wrestling and you got bad independent wrestling. But what's ruining business I feel are, is what the social media mm-hmm. and guys that like form an opinion, form opinions, have never been in the ring before. The, the trolls and, out there, we call them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, and, they'll put everything down, and you know they kind of put put the stuff down that we love because we love talking about yeah. it. And but then you get people that yeah. just want to just you know cause an argument and cause trouble, and you know just ruin it for everybody else. Oh, believe me, believe me. I'm. I think if you've paid attention in the past, a lot of my Facebook posts, I'm very out there and very honest with my opinion about like what I see with wrong with business. And what it is is that I, I get I let all these people that run their mouths and their opinions get to me like really bad. So I let I like I stoop to their level, and I've had to learn to not pay attention to that. And I'm in a much better place because of that. Because if if they if what they said was true, I wouldn't be talking to you right now as one half of the NEW Tag Team Champions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I mean, there's some like I said, there's some wrestling I enjoy. Some of it I just can't stand because the form, I'm not going to say wrestling is dead. Wrestling is entertainment. But I don't like it when people say, you know, we need to bring wrestling back. Who said that that wrestling has gone away? You know, wrestling is supposed to be entertainment for for people, not guys out there trying to kill each other, one-up each other. They need to be in there telling a story. And that's what people don't understand about WWE. It's like, 
even though they're short matches and sometimes they still like the fans are arguing, they don't know what the hell they're doing. WWE's telling a story. They're entertaining the people. And that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of these independent guys, they're just putting on a show for the hell of it because they just want to see two guys whip each other's ass. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's spawn fest, in other words. Sure. Now, Bull, Bull we, uh, we just kind of brought up the WWE Network, but let's just pretend for a second that there's a, uh, a Bull Dread Network and uh, yeah. you've you've been wrestling for quite a while. What is the the number one match that you would want all of the people that subscribe to the Bull Dread Network to watch? Uh, the, the HTA Network. The HTA yeah. Network. <laughs> the HTA Network. Oh man, uh, trust me, I've never claimed to be a great worker, or I don't believe me, I don't have a six pack or. I'm a high flyer or anything, but, uh, no, not yet. Um, my little one is asking me something. Um, so that's like a hard question. Uh, I would say one of my best singles matches that I've had recently was me against, uh, uh, Brian Anthony. Um, at the, not this past, not WrestleFest, but it was back in, March, maybe? No, not March. It was back in October. I don't know if you guys were there for that. There's a good chance we were. Yep. It was me. It was the, it was the Hardys versus the, was the Hardys versus the Young Bucks, Bucks that night. Yes, yes. But yeah, I would say it was me, me versus Brian Anthony. I mean, even though Brian beat me, you know, um, our match, I think, went like, what, 15 minutes? In the first 10 minutes, we were outside brawling before the bell even rang. So I think that brought out the aspect of my style and what I, you know, the way I work and what I am and what Bull Dread is. Um, you know, you don't need to win a match to be entertaining and be over. So I would say that would be one of my top matches that I've had probably within the last four or five years. All right, now. But I have many. I have many. I just don't know. Like, you could try to put up multiple ones up there. Me tagging with Kevin Nash, you know, while I was a mystery partner for CTWE. That's a top match. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, we talked a little bit about your uh, the past. Uh, let's go even further uh, to the past past, if you will. Uh, who are some of your heroes growing up? I mean, I know everybody loved Hogan and this and that, but, I mean, was there somebody else that maybe stood out that, you know, that you looked up to that you kind of, you know, I want to be this guy, I want to be this wrestler when I grow up? Was there anybody else like that? Does that answer your question? <laughs> Listen, I was, a, I was a big mark big fan of the horseman and uh, you know Rick Flair to me was my idol like he was just he's the reason the main there's two people two people are the reasons why I got into wrestling and I when I met Flair I said to him I was like I always get yelled at by my mom and certain people like why did you get into wrestling I was like well there's two people you need to blame my dad and Rick Flair <laughs> and I said that to him, you know and he was like I appreciate that but uh, you know Rick Flair the horseman the horsemen, I would say, were the top reasons of why I got into business. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Arn Anderson, you know, Tully Blanchard. And um, even though I liked, I liked Coley, I liked that horseman version, but I also liked the version with Barry Windham. So that's it right there. I mean, I, I liked Hogan, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, Flair was the man for me. Okay, now, Bull, I've got a, a, a very 
this this question needs to be answered. So I'm hoping you're yep. the guy to do it for me. There's been a lot of bulls in in wrestling. There's been Johnny the Bull Stamboli, uh, Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, El Torito, Bull Buchanan, and Bull Dread. Out of all of those, who do you think is the greatest bull in sports entertainment history? Manny Fernandez. You're not even gonna. You're not even gonna say Bull Dread. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the veteran. He's the he's old school. So you know, it's like it's like you know, it's like saying uh, you're putting me and Bobby, who's the greatest hardcore icon ever in Connecticut. I'm not gonna say myself. I'm gonna say Ron Zombie. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there. I'm going out on the limb. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the greatest bull in professional wrestling is Bull Dread. So I, if you won't oh, say it, I will. <laughs> if you say it, then I agree with you. So, you know what I mean? I'm just going to be the two my own horn, you know what I mean? Because then be like, hey, this is not a talent. What does he think he is, you know? Sure. Hey, hey that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. Now, Bull, uh, like my, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. You know, just like what we were saying before, you know, I've never claimed called myself the hardcore icon. Yeah, I did the little gimmick, you know, when I was me and zombie feuding. The fans called me that, you know. And it, it, it's it's amazing, you know what I mean? Sure. Now, uh, a lot of people don't get to see what happens backstage or in the locker room. Now, do you have any uh, famous or, or not famous or memorable stories of something that may, might have happened in the back? Yeah. Oh, the, oh yeah. That, oh, that yeah. you could share with uh, the audience tonight? Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to where when I started with Northeast Wrestling. Um, like I said, I you know I, I had my match with uh, Tiger Duggan. Went upstairs. The boss came up to me and he was like, March 28th. I, I don't remember the date. You toyed and you're on. I'm like, oh okay, cool. Um, I looked at the card. I'm like, oh, Duggan, Big Daddy V. Um, I forgot who else was on the show. Um, Velvet Sky, I believe. Um, so I ended up tagging with Duggan again that night. Now, they already had WrestleFest, uh, announced, and they had Kurt Adonis's retirement dinner, which was the night before. That was the week later. So, I, you know, I was still kind of new to the company. I asked the boss, I was like, you know, you know, I know I worked for a company, would I be able to come and help out? He goes, yeah, of course, you know, whatever. So... We did the dinner the next day. I dressed up, you know, got on the, in the back, helping. Actually helped out Rick Blair's autograph signing. That's how I met Blair. When I walked with him to the bathroom. He had to go take a piss. But, um, so, you know, Kurt said to me, just because you're part of the company, don't be mad that you don't get to work and wrestle every show. It's just the way it is. So I, I understood, and I just stayed humble about it. So, like I said, the show went on. There was 2,000 people, I think, at Nash, where I don't remember who else. They, I think Paul Wonder was on the show. So I was saying to myself, you know, I, want, I hope this is my only chance to ever, you know, meet Flair or wrestle in front of him. So the night was done. The weekend was over. I went to the gym. I think it was not Monday. I think it was Tuesday. And uh, I go to the gym. I come outside. I look at my phone. And I, had a, I had a couple missed calls and a message. So I go listen to the message. And it was the boss and said, um, what I mean by the boss at the time was Mike's brother. He used to do like help with the books and stuff, I guess. Or he used to be his right-hand man. And he calls me and he goes, 
um, you got, I got some dates for you. Are you available to write them down? I'm like, yeah, no problem. He shot me like three or four dates. And I ended up touring with the company. So I'm looking at the card, and it was like two weeks later, and it was a Pennsylvania show. And that was a Saturday. The following week, it was two shows back-to-back with Ric Flair. Um, Friday was in Newburgh, and Saturday was in Rockland. Rockland, yeah, yeah. Rumble and Rockland, that's what it was. And both shows had Flair. Um, Jerry Lawler was on one. He was on both. Jimmy Hart. Uh, Mick Foley was there, too. So that Friday night, it was I was in an eight-man tag. It was me, Man Scout, Caleb Conley, and you know, myself. First, no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Myself, Conley, Robbie D e at the time, and myself. And it was versus um, Reed Flair, The Now, and Frankie Arian. So that match went over well, you know, the crowd loved it. We got to the back, Ric Flair pulled us all in the room, went through each and one of us, and um, pinpointed, critiqued everything that we did. He looked at me and he goes, big man, I love it when you bump and feed. I was like, oh, thank you, you know? And, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, wow. So um, he was showing guys how to lock up, and I was there locking up with Jerry Waller because he was, you know, there in the conversation too. Mind you, Jerry Waller, Ron Simmons, I think Foley was there too, and Flair were watching the monitor in the back during our match. So that was Friday. So I was like, oh wow, Flair just put me over. Saturday, was, we had a six-man tag and it was me, Conley, and Manscout versus um, the now and Frankie Arion. Match went over well. Down to the back, Flair did the same thing, pulled us in a room. He went through everybody, critiqued them, didn't say a word to me. So now I'm kind of nervous. Everybody walked away, conversations over. He went to the bathroom and I waited for him. He came out and said, Rick, I got to ask you something. He's like, you didn't say anything to me. This is one of his exact words. And mind you, Curtis Donis was right there and he would vouch for me. He says, brother, goes, no, everything you did was great. I was like, I'm surprised. If I had anything bad to say, I would tell you. Uh, I'm surprised that Michael used you better. I was like, I'm standing there like in awe. Like, I just got put over by Ric Flair. Now, when I tell people I got put over by Flair, they think, well, you wrestled him? I go, no. He put me over. I was like, that was one of the greatest moments in my career. And my life was just what he said to me in the locker room. And and at that time, and all the political crap that was going on in my life and everybody that stabbed me in the back, it was a big FU to them. Because I just got put over by a great man. So it was almost like oh. your, your career came full circle. I mean, you know, you idolized him, you grew up watching him, and now he's backstage talking to you, saying, you know, you know, putting you over, saying, you, you know, yeah. how, how you did. So they, I mean, that had to feel really great. Yeah. Do you, um, I, knew, I think both of you guys were at this show in uh, the Mid-Hudson Civic Center. It was me, me and um, one of the guys from Virginia. I forgot his name. Versus Adam Page and Diablo Santiago. Yeah. I think you guys were on a row for that match, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. I'll make this quick. During, the, like, maybe months prior, I tagged with Brian versus Zombie and Tommy Dreamer. And uh, I was a main event show in Connecticut. I ended up slipping off the ropes, and I fell flat on my face. Because so I was trying to do a Santon, and I slipped, and I fell off my face. Everybody was laughing. You know, Dreamer was laughing, whatever. Um... 
Now, during that match at the Civic Center, Dreamer was watching our match from the, on the stage. We went downstairs after a match. I had something for him to sign. I'm a mark. You know, I had one of the stadiums to sign. You know? <laughs> I went up to him, and I was like, Tommy, would you mind signing this? He goes, you. He goes, what the hell happened to you? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I got nothing. He goes, you definitely stepped it up. I got nothing bad to say. And he goes, he hates it when he has nothing bad to say about somebody. I was like, wow, thank you, you know? I mean, that was another, somebody else that just put me over. And then on, like, every time I see him, he would joke around about, hope you're not climbing any ropes or something <laughs> like that, you know? Um, well, I mean, I haven't seen him. It's been a few years. He doesn't work for Northeast anymore, but he's doing his own thing. But those are two of my top stories that I, that's happened in the back, you know, in the locker room. All right. You know? Yeah, like you said, it came full circle for me. Definitely. Now, yeah. now, Bull, fans of yours that follow you on uh, Facebook may get to see something that I've I've grown accustomed to seeing, and it's it's something that tickles me every time I see it. But um, you're uh, an Italian, correct? Yes. Okay. First, um, first generation born here. Okay. So, um, is has there ever been a uh, a thought to do a uh, Mama Dread cookbook? Oh. I've, I have, I mean, people are, like, I started my own page, uh, called it Chef HTA, and, um, you know, people like say, you know, I think every man, anybody, I might say every, any man, but any, everybody should know how to cook, and it's not like I've had lessons or anything like that, I just learned by watching my mom, you know, family, family dishes and stuff like that, my own creativity, I watch what's on TV, I kind of, you know, take it and make it my own. It's like, like wrestling. You got to be creative. And um, it's just part of life. And it has to be a part of you. But uh, people have asked, are we going to come out with a cookbook? I'm like, I don't even know where to start. You know, it's not like I'm some trained chef or anything like that. I don't have measuring cups or, you know, I just kind of throw stuff together. And sometimes it tastes good and good. Sometimes it's disgusting. I throw it out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh... I want to. <laughs> well, you never know. Uh, maybe one day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, when the time comes uh, for you to say goodbye to wrestling and you want to hang up the boots, uh, have you ever thought about maybe becoming a full-time trainer? Or when it's done, it's done? Because uh, I know some guys usually when they, they end their in-ring career, you know, they might want to become a trainer or something like that. But uh, have you ever thought about training? Well, I... Uh, where I train at uh, PWA, uh, Jonathan Lach Schmidt, he's the head trainer. You know, he's a he's a um, international superstar. I mean, if you pay attention, you know, he's in the PWI. He's been playing for the past seven, eight years. Um, I I help I help mentor at the school. Um, I can never I can never consider myself a, a head trainer because I feel I don't have the years of experience and you know I've never been to WWE or anything like that. I mean I, I could teach somebody stuff, you know, but I think, you know, because I've been thinking about it a lot, you know, recently, like, you know, I, I do feel that my career is winding down. I mean, the body's starting to break down now and, you know, uh, I've been in pain for the past six, seven, eight months now. Uh, but I will always be associated with the business only because, and I'll still be around to mentor all the younger guys. And I just like to pass on what, what, what I've learned. Um, I can never be a head trainer. I don't think I can use that headache and have my name kind of, you know, stable to somebody. You know what I mean? Um, 
But I I do help mentor, and that's something that I'll probably continue doing even after I retire. Lightning round. Ron Zombie. Best friend. Brian Anthony. Uh, future Hall of Famer. The Man Great Scout. Worker. Great worker. Okay. Velvet Sky. She's a good friend. I. Do you guys know the story behind Velvet and I? No, let's hear it. Um, I was a year into uh, Jason's school. Uh, we had a, a show. Was a, I met her on a Saturday. Uh, we had a show that Friday night, and some of my friends were there. And uh, I went to a, one of my friends' house on a Saturday night. It was a you know small get together party, and here's this girl. You know, she asked me if I was a wrestler, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know. She asked me um, where do I train. I told her I was like, you know, I go to Jason's school in Waterbury. I think like maybe the following couple weeks later, and she, she was at the next show. I saw her. Like she was like fuck bro and um, like a month later or right soon after that she was training and uh, she went on to become uh, Talia Talia Madison and now uh, you guys know her as well as that mm. you know and she always credit to like the help that I helped her you know helped her get into the business I don't mind to say I helped her I'm gonna say I guided her to where I was going you know awesome okay so uh, your your thoughts on Randy Sean Big mouth. <laughs> uh, Matt Taven. Future Hall of Famer. The Battle Brothers. The next demolition. Hulk Hogan. Overrated. Rick Flair. The man. I, we barely scraped the surface with you tonight. Uh, I'm looking forward to future shows with you, but uh, for all the fans listening out there, in case they're in the social media universe, where can they find you on Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere? Uh, where can the fans keep up with you? Uh, I'm on Facebook, Full uh, Dread. Um, I'm at, uh, on Twitter. I mean, I do use it occasionally, but I'm on it, uh, at Full Dread. I'm on Instagram also, Full uh, Dread. And uh, is there anything else that I'm missing? There's Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Facebook. There you go. I have a MySpace, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm very active on social media, especially Facebook. Um, It's it's helped me become, you know, reached. I made fans in Italy and all over the place. So it's amazing. Facebook is addicting. It's good, but it also could be bad for you. But, you know. It's helped me become who I am right now. It's nice to be able to reach out. I've made so many friends. Sure. Yeah. Well, Bull Dread, we can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. Don't forget, guys, fr- this Friday night, April 10th, uh, Danbury, Connecticut, Dreaded Dead will be taking on the Battle Brothers for the Northeast Wrestling Championship, uh, Tag Team Championships. Don't miss it, guys. Head on over to northeastwrestling.com. Pick up your tickets today or just go to the show. We'll see you in Danbury. Yeah. Yeah, go to the walk up. I think that we've uh, forgotten something here. You know, Dreaded Dead is a great tag team, but, uh, you know, Bull, once you get a taste of me and Steve Credo here, I think that somewhere down the line there's got to be a match. (laughs) Listen, 
all I got to say, just like the great The Rock, his famous words were, and you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> just bring it. All right, it's awesome talking to Bull Dread. We will see him and hopefully all of you this Friday, April 10th, live in Danbury, Connecticut for Northeast Wrestling. The future is now. Not only will you see Bull Dread, you'll get you'll get to see Road Warrior Animal, Matt Hardy, Alberto El Patron, Mickey James, Matt Taven, Brian Anthony, Michael Bennett, Maria Canellis, and so many more. Don't be shy. <laughs> Come by and say hi. That's right, Jonathan. I, t- I see a lot of you marks out there. Uh, don't want to say hi. You're too shy. Uh, but we're going to try talking to you guys. We did a video last show. We're going to try doing another video this time. We want to talk to you fans out there. We'll ask you some questions. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you see us, say something. You know what I mean? Like, if you if see something. If you some- see something, say something. That's right. When you see us, say something to us or something. You know, make yourself known. Uh, I can't remember everybody's Facebook default photo and who you are matched up to who you are in person. So, guys, we want to talk to the fans. We want to talk to you. Uh, you listen to us, but we don't know who you are. So, introduce yourselves. Absolutely. And the fun does not stop there. Saturday, April 11th, at our friends over at Collector's Realm, they will be having Mickey James and Road Warrior Animal from 11 to 1. You heard it here first on another wrestling podcast. Road Warrior Animal's bringing the pads with him, ladies and gents. Spikes, baby, and the face paint. It's it's all going to happen. This is a, a photo op that your 11-year-old self dreamed about. So if Mickey James isn't enough to get you there... Road Warrior Animal is going to be a uh, badass up to the max. Face paint, he's got the shoulder pads. Come on out. Tell him that another wrestling podcast sent you. Today's show is brought to you by ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. They provide opinions on pro wrestling and articles without oversaturating the net with news and rumors. Pro Wrestling Powerhouse has provided a platform for wrestling fans to write about what they love, pro wrestling. They don't censor people within reason and allow any and all opinions on the site. Check out ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Community calendar. 417, April the 17th is just around the corner. Northeast Wrestling will be holding their annual Spring Slam. It'll be in Newburgh, New York. And John Hennigan, formerly known as John Morrison. Harlem Heat, ladies and gentlemen. Alberto El Patron, Maria, Michael Bennett, Eddie Edwards, Matt Taven, Brian Anthony and so many more are going to be there. It's going to be great. There's already some uh, matches announced, so head on over to northeastwrestling.com to find out more information. We want to thank you guys for listening today. Every week we create something for you to listen to, and it's absolutely free. We are the Wrestling Fans Podcast, because after all, we're fans also. Help us out by subscribing to our show on iTunes. While you're there, you can rate us and give us a good review. If you're looking for more AWP, then head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com to find out more about upcoming guests and where we may pop up. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and buy an official AWP shirt from prowrestlingtees.com. We couldn't do the show without you, so please tune in next week for (sighs) another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast.